0: Welcome to Growth Marketing Today, where marketers, designers, and product owners level up their growth marketing chops from experts in today's top startups. Here's your host, Ramley John. Welcome back to Growth Marketing Today. In this episode, I have a professional poker player turned marketer, Bill King. He is currently the SEO and SEM specialist at the marketing company that you probably have heard of called Drift. They're all about convers- uh, conversational marketing. And prior to that, he was a senior growth marketing manager at Avid Exchange and senior inbound marketing professional at the company called HubSpot. I'm sure you've heard of that company as well. This guy is awesome. I'm not a big poker player myself, but Bill talks about in this episode how everything he's learned about marketing and growth comes back to a lesson in poker. It is super fascinating. I can't wait to share with you this chat. But but what more can we learn from poker players? And Bill shares how his days as a professional poker player shaped how he thinks about data, marketing strategy, and even Game theory. Fascinating stuff. Now, if you want to show notes and high impact quotes from Bill and other goodies from this episode, you can go ahead and go to growthmarketing.today038. That's growthmarketing.today038. Or you can click on the link in the description on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're getting this podcast. Now, if you've been listening on this, other than that, you know, I don't want to hold you back any further. Let's talk about poker and marketing with Bill. Everyone, I have here Bill King. I know we've been chatting back and forth in the last uh, few months. Actually, how's it going, Bill? How are things over where you're at?
1: It's going great. It's going great. Thank you so much. I'm excited to uh, to be finally on the podcast. I know we've been uh, we've chatting for some time
0: now. I know. I'm sorry. I uh, haven't been able to get back to you as quickly as I can. But you know, I'm really excited to, to chat with you because you know, I I finally got a chance to dig into your your career journey. It's super fascinating. Uh, that you started as a professional poker player, and now you're here uh, as a growth marketer. I'm I'm curious. Maybe tell me a little bit about your career journey so far, and how you went from poker player to growth marketer.
1: Yeah, that's, you know what's funny is I actually know a few uh, former poker players who are in uh, the performance marketing space, and I think there's something to that. Funny enough, my old boss at, at HubSpot was also he. Um, I originally went to school for music and uh, for music production. In um, engineering, and then my my boss at HubSpot also was in school for music. There is something about the creative, and the the mathematical side that attracts people. I think to this uh, to this space. But I would say the reason how I got into it was I am um, just really into really difficult problems and things that you know, things you can really go deep on. So when I was uh, still playing poker, I, uh, I had a baseball blog. I'm a huge baseball fan. Uh, being from Boston, it's not all that hard, hard to imagine that I would be into baseball. But but um, <laughs> yeah. but anyway, so I I was so into it. This is like goes along with my story of my, my life and career that I would go to the AAA games down in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. And I would sit there and talk with the, the scouts and ask them what they were looking for. I would take notes, you know, check out the velocity readings. And I didn't have the money at the time. So I would I would just watch what their radars were saying and I would take the notes off that. And I was like growth hacking my own my own uh, experience. I was growth hacking my own experience to, uh, to baseball and kind of how, you know, you evaluate talent. And I started to build a blog and that blog became the catalyst for how do I find people that are interested in this content and how do I get that in front of them? And I remember reading some of the bigger authors in the space and saying, geez, why, how do they have such a big following? Like, how do I grow my following? And that's when I started looking into social and driving traffic to the blog that came later on, but it started on like Twitter and just networking with people. And then drew from there and how to get traffic to your website. And then I just went fully down the rabbit hole there. And then, um, you know, I ended up working for a year at a company in Boston where we were doing, um, sort of full campaign management. And then, um, uh, you know, end up working at HubSpot. And that was the end of that.
0: That's fascinating. You talked about like numbers and figuring out who's good. Is it something like Moneyball you were doing? Like that movie with Brad Pitt? <laughs> or it wasn't even very close. Kind of.
1: Kind of. So I actually, um, when I got really into it was the day I went to the Sabermetrics seminar. That's like the ultimate nerd palace in baseball. It's basically... It's basically, um, a bunch of scouts and front end, uh, front house analytics folks. And this is when I was still kind of transitioning in between, in between stuff. And, um, it was, it was really cool to meet people and just see the analytical side. And I, I really like the approach that they take where they try to understand what happens first and then understand why and traditional baseball and actually quite, I mean, traditional growth was, was sort of similar to that where, um, you would have a lot of people who would do some stuff and then see what happened. Um, these guys were looking at the data and saying, okay, do we fully understand exactly what's going on here with these players, and you know, taking a more sort of um, high level analytical approach versus just you know we see this player has a, a nice swing, so we're gonna we're gonna draft him. But if he doesn't have the raw skill set, then it doesn't necessarily match up. So it was really cool, you know, to kind of see like to get that deep into something and see how they're applying that mathematical approach. Having taken that approach in the poker side of thing as well, mm-hmm. and then getting into marketing and seeing that. These frameworks of how you evaluate tough problems actually carry over whether or not you're playing poker or you're evaluating a baseball scenario or if you're trying to grow a company.
0: What was the transition from doing that to like, oh, I want to be a a marketer now? Or was it just like you started seeing patterns and connection to mark like performance marketing. And then that's when you made the switch. Yeah. So,
1: um, when I was, when I was doing the baseball blog, I got really into it and I was putting a lot of time into it and I wasn't really growing following. I thought my content was pretty good at the time. Um, you know, got a lot of feedback from people, but I just didn't have anybody reading it. And so I thought if I'm going to put this much time into it, I might as well do it, um, all the way. So I got into reading You know, the early HubSpot blogs and you're talking to someone who had absolutely no idea what marketing was or anything like that. So I truly built this stuff from the ground up from literally learning things from what is, you know, SEO all the way to like what is inbound marketing, literally learning that and then going from there and just applying those things, finding out what worked and then just pivoting from there. So when I had the conversation at HubSpot during the interview it was funny because they um, they didn't even care about really the job that I had been doing before which was actually in marketing. They were like tell us about the blog, like how did you how did you, how did you build a following for that and I think that that was that was one of the real things that appealed to me when I when I first talked to them and it was a mutual thing is that You know, a lot of the people that are out there that are working on this stuff aren't, you know, uh, these like big fancy names and have worked at these big fancy brands. They're out there, you know, grinding and trying to figure this stuff out and being able to share that with someone when you're working with them and trying to help them succeed uh, is actually an advantage because there's a lot of parts to this job and the day-to-day are difficult to describe if you haven't been through it yourself.
0: Mm, Right. Is your blog still up? I'm curious if like you've put it down or the domain is still out there in the web world. no, no.
1: (laughs) I I, uh, I ended up uh, merging it with a with a website called Fansided like nice. a, a few years before I uh, before I started working in uh, in marketing. But yeah, I, I still refer back to it and I kind of cringe at at the, uh, at the way it was written back then. But it's okay. It's it's as long as you get better over time, right?
0: That's so funny. Did you get any traction in terms of like SEO? Like, what what did you? What was like your greatest learning from that blog? Like, I'm sure HubSpot must must have saw something in you in in that blog that really like. Well, the, um, the
1: the funny thing is, uh, in baseball, it's super old school still. Like a lot of the a lot of the writers have a ton of credibility, and they kind of own a lot of the traditional ways that they were getting traffic. And so, what I started doing was, I was like, "There's not a lot of uh, content." on individual players or up and coming players. I mean, you saw some scouting blogs, but they didn't know what they were doing in terms of optimizing for search or like doing any link acquisition. It was like, let me write something and then share it to my following on social because they own that space. So the first um, the first way I was doing it was just networking with like the layer below the important people. So I would go to like some uh, secondary blogs and find writers that were, uh, that had kind of like really interesting perspectives that I thought that maybe weren't getting enough credit or enough exposure. And I would just network with them, reply to them every single day, every single thing that they put out. I would, you know, put my opinion out there. And that built some sort of like recognition of kind of who I was on the internet. Uh, And then when I started promoting my content, um, it was easier for me to go ahead and reach out and see if they would be interested in possibly being a featured uh, person on my blog. And that's really where it started the traction. It's really like, I, I would say that the relationships, especially in the old school industries, are super important. And I can hear a lot about the stuff these days right now. It's just like, do things that don't scale. You hear that a lot now because we've gone so over the top with automation and, and things like that. And I can tell you that, especially when you're starting out, like if you work on a brand that isn't well known and there isn't like obvious clicks out there to get, which today, I mean, good luck finding, you know, some niches like that. They're out there, but you really have to put in those, like, what are things people aren't willing to do? Are you going to go there, sit at a baseball game when it's raining out next to a scout and ask him questions right. and like, you know, create those relationships because I'll tell you what, a lot of people aren't <laughs> willing to do it. So if you're willing to do it, then it gives you a competitive advantage when you're kind of bootstrapping your own brand and recognition.
0: That's funny. You talked about relationships. I had a chat with the current growth marketer at HubSpot, uh, Alex Burkett. He also worked at SCXL and he said, you know, one of the best growth hacks he did for CXL blog was building relationships and, you know, like, uh, you know, getting quotes and, and really just building genuine rela- relationships. And that's what you saw with your blog. It's one of the oldest growth hacks.
1: Like it's like, actually, I have a funny story about that. I used to engage with Brian, who's the CEO of, of, of HubSpot all the time on Twitter. When I came in and uh, met him for the first time, he recognized my Twitter. Uh, so Yeah, so remember, I put a trademark on my name and everybody makes fun of me for it. So the story behind that is I, I remembered, I remember watching like a, a really early talk from Darmesh talking about being remarkable. And I thought to myself, well, how unremarkable is the name Bill King, right? So, so I'm engaging people on Twitter and most of the time they don't click to your profile. They just see what you say and they see your name and things like that. So I started messing with like, how do I make my name more interesting? And I added a trademark and people started asking me like, is my name actually trademarked? And so, I'm, in the early days of HubSpot, they would have you build a brand new website and then they give you like three pages of, of KPIs you had to hit. And then you do a presentation in front of like the executive team. Like, the, the, this was pretty hardcore, right? Early on. So, I did my presentation. Brian's in the room and I made a side by side persona card. I was the Yankees and he was the Red Sox. He's a huge Red Sox fan. And I, uh, so I put I, my my Twitter like you know like thing up there, and he's like, I swear to God, I've seen that before on, on like online. I was like, all right, there's something to this right now. So, <laughs> so I, I knew that, I knew that I was onto something. So if somebody, some, whenever somebody uh, jokes about that, I, I always tell them that story.
0: <laughs> and Red Sox and Yankees are not they're not the best friends.
1: <laughs> you know, I got a couple guys in the office that are from New York. A lot of people from no, the Northeast that, that live down here in Charlotte. And I'll tell you, there's uh, the rivalry never ends. I will tell you, as soon as the Yankees win a game against the Red Sox. They seem to pass by my my office more often. I don't know if there's something good to it. But, but it's, been a, it's been a lifelong it's a lifelong type of thing. So are
0: you a Yankees fan or a Red Sox? Is it, or you'd rather not say unless you get... I'm totally agnostic. Okay. I mean, like, I'm from Boston...
1: But I, I, because of kind of going back into like the early, like up and coming players, I don't really have a favorite team. But if I had to, if somebody pointed a gun in my head and said, hey, pick a team, it would be the Red Sox. And I, I just have to sit by that. So
0: house. you ended up working at HubSpot. What did you, uh, what, what did you do there? Are you in content? Were you doing SEO? Were you doing same building relationships? So
1: they had, um, early on, is like 2013, uh, there were some challenges with retention. and So they were looking at things like, how do we, how do we improve retention of, of the HubSpot user base? But how do we do it in like a sort of outside the box way? So they had a consulting team um, and a cust- it's really a part of the customer success org, but then they had these, um, these folks who would work with their, their customers and and be kind of like their advisor. And so I would have a portfolio of companies that I would work with and we would work one-on-one an hour every two weeks. And we would just chat about strategy, chat about some things that we can do to improve their performance. It was like, I was kind of there, their secondhand eyes or their strategic advisor. And um, it got me exposure to every business you can possibly imagine from e-commerce to large B2B to startups all over the place. And so um, we worked on everything from automation, SEO, whatever they needed, CRM, all that stuff. And um, after doing that for a couple of years, you know, you, uh, you, you pick up so many invaluable lessons because there are a lot of people out there who are, you know, like a lot of the HubSpot customers, they're, they're, Sometimes some of them are smaller shops. I mean, these are sometimes the founders themselves who are doing this. And you have to kind of calibrate your advice and the types of things that would work for them, not these sort of generic prescriptions, I guess you could say. So it was, it was quite a, it was quite interesting.
0: What was the greatest, what was one of your greatest learnings from, from working in HubSpot? I know some incredible um, marketers, HubSpot, they hire some of the best marketers out there. Like what was some of the learnings? You yeah. Had? I, I mean,
1: like I came in there as a fan, as someone who like benefited from their direct advice. And so I came in there just super, super excited about the opportunity. And so that perspective drove me to ask a lot of questions. I would stay there super late and I would be reading the wiki. They have these like internal wiki docs that are just like invaluable about experiments they've been doing and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't realize like how much of a wealth information there was there. And, and I, um, I think it's just an incredible place to go if you're a hungry person and you want to go, um, expand your, your, your entire perspective on, on growth. And, um, the people there are very helpful, you know, and like they hire only people who are willing to get back to that culture. And I would say that, the you know, one of the biggest things aside from just the tactical side of things is the, the cultural aspect is real. Like all the stuff that you see that they talk about, it's real. It, it's a, it's a culture of people who are willing to like, the mission is that they help other people do Marketing. And that is true. They only hire people who really want to help others. And, um, it was great to be around those types of people and just a real big culture of sharing. And so I took every advantage possible of that. And I probably hounded Matthew Barbie over there who does SEO, um, more than I should have, but he, um, but he's really helpful. And the whole team just had so many, so many great, um, you know, insights that they're willing to share. Any any
0: specific like learnings that like one thing that really stood out in terms of like what you got or receive or learned from the experience at HubSpot?
1: Yeah, I I would say like, um, and this is something that is also, um, stuff that we talked about at reforge too, which is like, um, oftentimes when you're early on in your, your career, you're really focused on like tricks and the new hacks and all these, you know, what's really cool and tempting. And you see like in a lot of these social, um, a lot of these um, like Facebook groups and stuff like that on marketing, everybody's really obsessed with the new thing that Google rolls out and all these other things, which is interesting. But really like stepping back and building frameworks and like models that are the baseline of what you do and how you focus your attention. Because one thing that's become quite obvious to me throughout my career is that you always over-optimize for the amount of time you think you have, but you typically don't get as much done as you think you will. So if you're going to do things, make sure it's the stuff that you have... like. A pretty high degree of of impact to be able to do that and i think about this so this goes back to the poker mindset too where i think about like balancing a portfolio of the types of things that you can do because um you're gonna make bets throughout the course of the year and i'm not saying that like i don't mean the bets like as a bet i mean like everything you do is a bet right so if you work on a large campaign and that thing fails and that's the only thing you've done through the year well that's that's not so good right so you want to you want to have a real balanced approach um, and if you build a solid plan with a solid model, with a solid understanding that if I do this over the course of the long run, I should have a net positive result. Then I think you're in a good place and you're protecting yourself for, um, things that come up over time.
0: Nice. Wow. That's so good. Uh, I like, I like how you tied it back to, to the poker, how you, you need to, you know, you don't want to put all your eggs in, in one basket so as, what they say.
1: Almost everything I like I approach with growth comes back to like a lot of the lessons I learned in poker. And like, I have, you know, I'm so grateful for that opportunity and um uh, like one of the biggest some of the f- the biggest things i learned from that time is not to be results oriented because everybody in the world is results oriented and poker teaches you to not be results oriented because it's about the approach and the systems and place and things that you put in place to be successful and the rest of the world is super results oriented and you have to, you have to kind of take a step back as someone who kind of has that approach and understand that not everybody thinks that way. Um, but to me, I, th- I think a lot about like whenever I have conversation about, about, um, you know, about uh, marketing or anything or growth, it's like, do, do you feel like you had the right plan in place and the right Model and the right logic in place, and if so, then let the score takes care of itself.
0: So you're looking at the plan and the process, and you know not uh, you know, and the results will will follow the plan.
1: Yeah, I mean, like the the reality is that um, there's a quote from from Bezos. Uh, it's about it's in the 2016 letter to shareholders, and he talks about high velocity decision-making and I, I draw back to, to poker as well on this, where like you should be making your decisions with not perfect information. And some people are really comfortable to do that. Right? So like you could wait and have perfect information and have the perfect plan, but you have to cut, you can't wait all that long because this world is moving quickly. And especially in the startup world and in the growth world, you have to kind of optimize for a lot of decisions at a high pace. So that way, actually, if you think about it, the variance of your losses actually they reduce if you take uh, if you make a lot of bets with high velocity and you you spread out kind of like the downside. If that makes sense, it's almost like a investing philosophy as well. So I think I think like when I'm building these plans, I think to myself, what's one or two like really big things that I could do that have ma- major impact. And then how do I balance that portfolio with some really easy, quick wins that have low downside so that if that thing goes horribly wrong, I can cover the other stuff and still have results. I'm
0: going to tie that back to where you're at now. Um, You know, you're talking about two to three things that are solid and then making some small bets. Uh, You switch over to Avid Exchange and now you're like a senior growth marketer there. My listeners who don't know what Avid Exchange is, can you say a little bit about what it is and then... Maybe what you focus on there.
1: Sure. So Avid Exchange is essentially a B two B buyer supplier bill payment supply uh, service. So for the enterprise, a lot of people have had this service. Uh, a lot of the larger companies have had a way to electronically send their bills, um, which is kind of crazy if you think about. It. I didn't realize this when I joined Avid Exchange that the larger B two B mid market and smaller market um, they still send checks and there's a lot of like friction to the AP process, which you don't really hear about because we're we live in the consumer world. So you don't realize like how much, how difficult this is. And, um, I remember, you know, like it's one of those things that doesn't scale, you know, like you have to call these suppliers and get them to sign your service. And it's like marketplace dining to hear all the time. Like, uh, so basically Abbott exchange solves for that. We have these people who want to make it, make their, their payments and they want to receive money back and forth. And so it's essentially a place for, for commerce to happen, um, for, for mid market companies. And, uh, you know, it's been, it's been it's kind of crazy to see what they've built because um, it hasn't really been done before for the mid market, so they kind of had to, to build this whole thing themselves. What
0: what things have you uh, seen work in terms of growth there? In terms of what you you've been doing, I would
1: say so. One of the biggest advantages that that Apple exchange has is the verticalization. So, like building a supplier base of people for people for you to pay your bills sounds like it should be easy, but it's actually not especially in the mid market because there isn't like this big list of people that you can go hack. You have to go call all of these people and convince them that you're legitimate and like it's there's a lot of friction there and I think that's actually kind of their competitive advantage. So, um, what they've really done is they've built uh, some products that help the buy side of the marketplace manage their kind of day-to-day processes. And the real benefit or the real kind of crazy part of their their model is this one to many of their supply base. So every bill you pay, you have, say, um, you know, 10 or 20 different suppliers you might pay. Um, let's say you're like a real estate company, you might have um, 20 or a hundred properties that are underneath your umbrella company. So if you pay your bill for cleaning, you might pay a hundred of those. So there's that net effect of growth that happens in particular verticals more than other. When you go to the more horizontal market, like, um, where they're paying one-to-one relationships. It's interesting, but it's not quite as much of a network effect. And so um, finding those particular levers where you can add verticals or add supply bases that have crossover and then have a one-to-many effect is where you can re- really build some powerful stuff.
0: Uh, I'm really excited to hear you. You messaged me last week that you're actually starting a new role at, at Drift as their SEO and SEM manager. How, how did that? How did that come up, come about? And and congrats by the way. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Um, yeah. So I I, uh, I I was planning on being uh, down here about three or four years. I, I live in the Bo- I've been living in the Boston area my whole life, and um, when I met. Mike, the CEO uh, of Abbott Exchange, I just you know couldn't help. He's he's an amazing guy, and uh, this this is a great place to be. Um, and so uh, my uh, you know my I have some family up there and stuff like that. And I was planning on three and four years, and then um, I was on the phone with Mark Killens, who runs their uh, community, and we used to work at HubSpot. We did some HubSpot webinars together and stuff. And you know, tell me the story of what's going on there. And I remember um, this is really funny, but. Uh, one of their early employees, like first five, uh, was in my training class together. We became, uh, we became friends. And he, I remember when they, the IPO happened at HubSpot, they walked over and basically started this place. And I was like, wow, these guys are doing something crazy. And to see what they've, see what they've built in this short period of time, is just absolutely mind boggling. And I'll tell you that the team, uh, Are amazing, Um, and you know it's 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 a huge market, huge market opportunity. You have, I think, some of the best products and engineering folks around um, in that team. So I'm super excited. I basically am there to just amplify what they're doing and to help them get more found because Demand Gen is relatively new there, which is crazy. They they've built such a massive brand with almost no kind of like marketing you know
0: David's famous for saying that you know one of your co- competitive advantage as a brand is now building your brand versus like traditional growth hacks and you're right like they've built uh, their brand I, I don't know any marketer who doesn't know who drift this and what what they do yeah I
1: mean like if you think about it from like a game theory standpoint like are you gonna go beat each other's heads in for you know all these clicks early on when you have no budget and you're trying to build a company I mean like today these days you really have to step back Um, and think what, you know, what should I do versus what, what, you know, like, like, how do I think about this problem as, as a, as like a strategic problem? Mm -hmm. Should I go, you know, you see a lot of companies that raise VC and then they spend $60 of every dollar, 60 cents of every dollar on uh, Google and Facebook. And, you know, it's possible to be done. It's not easy. And, you know, and we keep coming back to that, to that uh, type of thing, these like authentic type of Um, Relationships. Brands. Exactly. Exactly. And like that has never been out of style. It's just been less. It's been a little bit harder. And, you know, now that we've got almost like equilibrium of tools and tactics and maybe even access to capital, who wins? It's the people who do the stuff that nobody else is willing to do. And that bootstraps the initial traction. And now it's my job to go in there and help them just sprinkle a little bit more on top of that. And I'm super
0: (laughs) Nice, that's awesome. Uh, so, what is your role like? What What are you going to be focusing? I know you you mentioned earlier, um, before we jump on this call that you're going to be focused on SEO and SEM. What What does that entail for for your work at Drift?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I'm my 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 real value to them is going to be fitting into their existing process, not trying to like re-engineer the whole thing because I think they already create awesome content. I think that they already have an awesome brand. I mean, I know that, um, my job is to go in there and basically help them amplify what they're already doing, get more traction from search, get more clicks, maybe some clicks that they're, you know, they're not thinking about, or, um, there's probably some areas of opportunity in there that haven't been tapped from a search perspective. Um, And, uh, you know, I I essentially want to want to help people find such an awesome tool because I actually uh, I use it. We use it at Avid Exchange and, um, you know, it's it helps your business grow. And to me, that like aligns with my um, my kind of internal motivation. I I grew up with, uh, you know, my father started his own company when I was a kid and I grew up in his office, like, you know, messing around in the summertime, helping them you know, put together electronic boards. So like, I, feel, I love the hustle and people trying to grow. So um, my whole thing is just like, where are those people, the people that are struggling, the people that are that are having a tough time growing their company, where are they finding their information and how do I help bring this to them? That's my whole approach. And how do I help their awesome content team and their awesome brand team amplify the things that they're already doing and find opportunities to help us all be successful.
0: Nice. You talked about like try, trying to help them get more clicks on, on search. I'm curious what that would look like. What would be your process to do that? I'm guessing you're gonna, you know, dig into what they're already doing, and then what will be your your process essentially to do that?
1: Yeah. So essentially, like initially, I really want to dig into the product and like where the the place is going from a from a feature design perspective. Just kind of understand like what where are we today, and what's the roadmap for what they're going to be building, and um, I will, I essentially, when I, when I first start looking at search, I look at it, I kind of think about it as like a mind map at the highest level is, is drift the product. And then underneath that at the second level is these, these sort of core features that will always be around. So there's chat, they have a help center tool, all these like core parts of the the product. Then there's a second layer below that. And I kind of work that map and then I think to myself, okay, for each part of these core units, what are the, the three segments of keywords? There's like the um, the more sort mm. of educational terms. There's the compare and contrast, and then there's like purchase terms. Those those three buckets that you see on almost every brand. Seeing where we ha- already have uh, where we already have a presence, where we do not. What's the competition? What's the uh, timeline for us to potentially um, get into some of those valuable SERPs? And we'll balance the portfolio between organic and paid to try to make sure we're, um, we're getting early traction. And then we're kind of building that rising tide of search traffic that takes about three to six months. So when I joined Avid Exchange, we did the same thing. There was actually no digital marketing team. I started from the ground up and it was 98% branded traffic coming to the website. And so we went a little bit. We went a little bit hard on um on the like the paid acquisition side at first and just bought those transactional terms use the capital as 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 our advantage um and then over time we're building product page optimization for um these these transactional terms like you know blank software blank you know these types of things that are that are the real making pages get those to slowly build up over time because the competition is typically higher on those and then um, later on, roll back some of the paid that we're spending, if possible. I mean, it really depends because some, I mean, the SERPs are changing like crazy. There's so many clicks that are going to to paid ads. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to do one way or the other um but over time we kind of built our our top of funnel traffic later on so that, that's typically the process i take but i'll be certainly very objective when i go in there to to see what they're what they're doing and how i
0: can help when it comes to tools like look, looking at like your serp results uh your serp and other things like the what tools do you use do you use moz um E-E-H-Rough or anything else
1: yeah like um i'm not like a huge tools guy like uh, google sheets is probably the tool i use the most <laughs> um but like i would say like ahrefs is, is like a, a certain certainly one i mean i've used like uh like stat for like some of the keyword tracking and um i would say like the tool i i use on the most frequent basis are ahrefs and uh, deep crawl uh i love DeepCrawl; crawl it's like my secret weapon i you know use that every single month i write a query to see like how, you know, how are all these changes we're making to the site from an architecture standpoint, from a, a crawl basis, like how are we doing? How does it appear to Google checking log files, all that like technical side of stuff? That's my my go to for that. And then for the more like top of funnel keyword heavy stuff, that's where we, we do Ahrefs and, uh, and Google Sheets and uh, Data Studio and all that stuff. You really don't need a lot of tools like these tools to help you kind of like, like plan and execute. And then the whole strategy kind of comes from you and your kind of like quantitative and qualitative observations, if that makes sense. Yeah,
0: No, that makes, I, I figured you would be using Google sheets. Um, and then just like, you know, I didn't know about you said deep crawl, your secret. Yeah. Weapon? Deep crawl,
1: yeah. yeah. yeah so like I, um, I, I, there's many tools out there. Like you can use screaming frog, which is, you know, a really cheap tool. It's like, I think it's like a hundred bucks for the year or something like that for a license. And you know, deep crawl is like for your site, that's a really deep analysis of the technical parts of your site. But you can also use Screaming Frog for the same thing. Um, and you can also do your competitor sites with Screaming Frog. So that's a huge advantage. Um, so like I'll check, I'll, I'll crawl every one of our competitor sites and see like how, you know, a good example is like, if your competitor has like a blog and they have almost like a pagination effect where like, as they create more content, it gets deeper and deeper down the site, that could be something you could say, listen, we have a competitive advantage here where, you know their content is getting deeper, deeper in their site. So let's prioritize our site and our pop content. And maybe we have an advantage there. There's a lot of insights you can get from the technical stuff if you want to. If you want to go down that deep.
0: right, yeah, that's so true. I'm hitting up the half hour mark. You know, one of the questions I love asking uh, my guests is, "What are some what are some advice you'd have for uh, for marketers who might be a little earlier in the career, as as you are?" Um, you know, maybe two or three tips or maybe even just the top one tip that you that you would give to a young marketer?
1: Yeah. I mean, like, make sure you, you're you interested in this because it will never get old. You know, like if, if you're doing something because it's just like, you're going to go make a little bit more money, I can guarantee you're going to burn out and you're not going to be into it for the long haul. Um, find interesting problems to solve. Like I, I will tell you, I was the worst student And I wasn't like a, not a smart kid. I just, I just didn't connect what I was learning with the application to the problems. And once I got out of school and I found like Interesting things to, to go deep on. That's when the light bulb really went on for me, and I was like really excited about it. So, if you find these problems really, really interesting and difficult, then I would say pick something that you're really inspired by or like you find really challenging. And just go really deep on it. Because, from a team building perspective, I'll tell you right now, the first thing I look for is someone who's an expert in something because you can easily build a team that is absolutely killer if you have like an expert in paid acquisition an expert in seo an expert in automation you put those pieces together and you have a killer team but if you have a team of people who like aren't deep on anything you're really in trouble there and you're not going to drive the same results because talent is a competitive advantage you know and especially in competitive industries and so I would say if you're building your career from the ground up right now, find something that you find super super interesting and go do it yourself and get your your hands dirty and get some results. And I promise you, people will find value. That's out.
0: so good. And I, what I really liked also is you know marketers who who just get started. You know that, that's one of the reasons probably why you got that job at HubSpot because you were doing it for your own passion for. For uh, baseball, right, and just just launch. Part of it
1: too is like you have to carry the water before you drink it. You know, like there are some really difficult, there are some really difficult problems out there that sometimes you have. Like if you read about something, it sounds super easy. You know, you read like a lot of the marketing blogs, and you're like, oh, that seems interesting. But until you actually, go, you know, until you actually go through the motions, and like, you know, a good example is like a like building campaign. Until you've been like, you've been verbally harassed by people to not to not reach out to them, and like. Like the little things, you know, like, like just going through the process and like, you know, understanding that, that this isn't easy. And, um, if you're passionate about those things, like when you, when you get a reject, you won't take it personal. You'll just realize this is part of the process and that'll get you ready for, um, also like that prepares you for hiring really talented people too, because I think you can appreciate when someone goes through what they go through, if you've been through it yourself. And if it just, something that you just think about it's not really something part, it's part of your dna they'll be able to smell that out and uh you really want the best people on your team
0: you know as a final question you know where can people find you i know you said bill king tm uh is that your website is that you know where can people find you online yeah
1: billkingtm.com is my my website and again <laughs> i had to include i had to include the tm but you can find me on on twitter as well at at inboundy it's inbound with a y and there's a story behind that of course we um, with the uh, back in HubSpot, we used to say like, you know, paid like paid acquisition. This is early in HubSpot days. We're like, paid paid digital is an inbound, but you could do it in an inboundy way. And I was like, ooh, I like that. So I, I that, that, that's where I got that name from. But yeah, you reach out anytime. I'm I'm super happy to talk to people who are really happy, excited about about this type of stuff, and I'm um, looking forward to, to hearing from some of you guys.
0: Awesome, man! Thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks, friend. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode. Such a great chat with Bill about poker, about growth, about marketing, and SEO and SEM. Now, if once again, if you want the show notes and high impact quotes from Bill and other goodies, I know you know we went by that so fast. You can get the quotes, the high impact quotes from Bill at growthmarketing.today. Forward slash z 038 and if you want you want to join the growth marketing today community go to that website and join our email list so you get notified about other things other episodes that we have and any giveaways that we have you know what uh, i just want to thank you once again i'm also looking for more guests i took a break uh, during the fall of 2018 because i got married and i'm now looking for more guests if you are a growth marketing or anything in um you know any growth designer growth product manager i want to talk to you or if you know anybody reach out to me at twitter at at ramley john or send me an email at ramley at today, and i will be forever thankful to you other than that i want to close this off by saying as always keep on growing